Welcome to the SBCA podcast, Component Connection. Hello, my name is Molly Butts, and today I'll be your host for this SBCA podcast series, looking at how component manufacturers around the country are innovating to take advantage of opportunities in today's market. My guest today is Jason Heichel, IT Director at Shelter Systems Limited in Westminster, Maryland. Shelter Systems was founded in 1976. In 2005, they built a new manufacturing facility nearly quadruple the size of their original space and started production in a new state-of-the-art facility outfitted in cutting-edge component manufacturing technology. Shelter Systems processes more than 165,000 board feet of lumber daily between two production shifts. Thanks for joining me today, Jason. Thanks for having me. Well, let's get started then. I know that you've been officially working at Shelter System since 2001, but I feel like it's safe to say that you grew up in the component manufacturing industry. Tell me about that. Well, I'm pretty sure a lot of people know the Heichel name in the component industry, and I'm the third generation to work at Shelter Systems. It was uh, established in 1976, and I was born in 1980, so it's kind of safe to say I look at Shelter Systems a little bit like uh, Big Brother. It was a constant talk around the dinner table, uh, especially when we were at dinner with the whole family, Dwight, Linda, my father. You know, shelter systems was always uh, the, the topic of discussion. And, you know, as I got older uh, and the opportunity presented myself, I wanted to, wanted to be interested and uh, see what this, uh, what this entity was all about. So in 2001, uh, while I was working in college, during that summer session, I worked on the floor for a few weeks to kind of get my feet wet with, with production. And I was quickly presented in around 2003, 2004, with the opportunity to move into more of an IT responsibility. So I've been working in trust industry specific technology for quite a while now. That's awesome. Is there anything really specific or definitive about the component manufacturing industry that you can point to that makes it really interesting for you in particular, or even something about the specific technology that's being used in the industry that makes it interesting for you? When I was growing up, I actually wanted to be a tower crane operator when I was a little kid. And while I get to see those on job sites these days, the equipment and the technology, the automation, the what's next is really what kind of keeps me interested in uh, in component manufacturing. I've been uh, involved in the evolution of, of our processes from manual processes uh, all the way up to pretty much fully automated saws. My first IT job uh, in the industry was actually trying to integrate very old technology, inkjet printing into our saw processes. We were trying to do what a lot of people do now with their processes with a lot more sophisticated equipment, but we were trying to inkjet boards to get a better uh, identification for our builders to optimize our, our cutting processes to feed our building processes. So it's the equipment, it's the thought process behind manufacturing. That's all what keeps me interested in, in this industry. Okay. I want to explore all of that in a lot more detail. And full disclosure, this is one of the many reasons I thought you might be a really fun guest for our podcast. We've had some conversations at various SBCA events that have led me to know that you think about IT a little differently than some. And I think that's really great information to share with the broader membership. 
But I want to take a step back just for one more question sort of about what a typical day looks like. I mean, shelter is a big place and you've got a lot of board feet going out the door at any given time. Even your tagline is modern technology for today's builder. Uh, that being said, I think it's really easy for component manufacturers to think about IT in a very narrow way computers, networks, data transfer, etc. But it's so much more than that. And I have to imagine that there's a really wide array of things Shelter relies on you for, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. So tell me what maybe like a typical day would be like with regard to the variety of processes and projects and responsibilities that you have. So not only am I the IT director, I'm also the tier one support person. And I share that responsibility with our developer but we are we are the front lines as well as the as well as database manager and IT manager and IT director kind of all wrapped into one. So my day could be as varied as getting a call from our night shift at three o'clock in the morning to coming into the office around ten and not hearing a peep from anybody all day long. Those days are nice because it gives me the ability to get some work product done. You know, right now I'm in the midst of uh, what most people should be in the midst of, which is making sure my entire organization is converted over to Windows 10 by the beginning of the year. My days are widely varied. No one is uh, really like another. My role at Shelter Systems is more general technologist than it is any one specific side of IT. Yeah, it is networks and databases and data transfer and this and that, but in order to be successful in a agile organization like we have, I have to be able to keep my head wrapped around all of the topics within technology and also be an expert at the specialized technology that comes along with our, you know, our industry specifically. You know, not everybody has CNC robotic saws. Not everybody has automation for building. So you know, I, I have to be an expert there as well as keep my finger on the pulse of all of the comings and goings of the technology world with what's going on in networking, with what's going on, how to protect the edge of your, your, your business and making sure that we're keeping up to date with our technologies that protect us from all of the hot button items that we're seeing these days, malware, ransomware, making sure my users are educated about these things the you know your first line of defense is an educated user if the user understands that the internet is the wild west and it's the number one illicit money making endeavor in the world so everyone is out to get you and you know maybe a little bit of paranoia is okay but you know that fear is it's kind of real making sure people understand that that's a real thing and it's a real threat that's a big part of what i do you know, we're talking about cybersecurity, basically, if we're talking about email phishing and that sorts of thing. And that makes me think about something else that's come up, which is that you're probably dealing with stuff that's beyond the cyber part of security, too, right? Like, do you have some responsibilities with regard to how your company is actually secured, you know, security cameras and such? Because I think those all pretty much fall under the umbrella that you described earlier as far as being more than just computers and data transfer. Tell me a little bit more about that. Part of my role is securing the edge of our business from threats, whether that's a physical threat or a, or a cyber threat. You know, it, it's my job to think of where we're vulnerable and to try to fill those gaps. 
uh, as best I can. And that's not just necessarily from threat, external threats. You know, everybody deals with losses in their business. Everybody deals with injuries in their business. Uh, a lot of what I do in, I'm protecting our business from its people and sometimes it's people from themselves. Yep, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned something in your description of sort of your day-to-day about being on the front lines for everything. But one thing I feel like that's interesting about you is that beyond being the front lines guy, you're also sort of the ideas guy as well. I guess I know that because I've had the opportunity to work with you on SBCA's IT committee as well as our budding equipment council. And one of the themes that's continued to come up in those situations is how important it is to think outside the box. Everything that you're buying is from one of our typical software and equipment suppliers. And that has the potential to be a little cookie cutter, right? I I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that our industry suppliers are producing products for the masses, a product that any component manufacturer could use, shelter systems or anybody else. But I've heard you talk about how you enjoy bringing some of the other technology that's in the world into the component manufacturing industry. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about that. Sure. Well, that's where do we begin? So one of the things that has been instilled in me by my family from a very young age was uh, to be fiercely independent. And I don't particularly care to rely on any one solution to solve the problems of my business. Um, I like to be independent. I like to create my own things or have people uh, have partnerships with people who are capable of creating things that maybe no one else has. You know, we chose a very long time ago, um, 15 years at this point, to develop our own piece of software to keep track of our business because we realized data makes decisions easier. And the more data you have, the better grasp you have on your business and the better decisions that you can make with your business. So we, we learned that lesson early on and we continue to develop our software and we continue to ask our vendors in the industry to re- continue to provide uh, a level of independence for their uh, their customers, because there's there's a lot of us in the industry that are that way, and uh, it, it's it's very important. So I also think outside the box and think outside of the industry. Uh, simple things. I'm currently testing an iPod Touch iOS 12 version of the little tiny kids toy iPod. It's an inexpensive device. It actually costs less than a walkie-talkie and it has higher level of functionality than a walkie-talkie. I can have my production employees take pictures. I can have my production employees use it like a walkie-talkie. I could have my production employees use products out there that keep track of maintenance or keep track of safety and it's fairly inexpensive fairly disposable and that's one of the things that i've always tried to do at shelter we're a relatively large component manufacturer but we have enterprise needs on a mid-level mid-sized business budget so i don't have tons and tons of money to spend on technology there are things that i can clearly sell as Okay, this is the reason why we need to spend $50,000 on this piece of technology. 
but that comes with a cost. I don't have, I can't put an iPhone uh, in the hands of all of my production employees that truly need them because the monthly recurring cost on that device kind of makes it more, it makes it more difficult to get the level of communication in my organization that it really needs. You know, gone are the days of just hitting on the, hitting the walkie talkie and being able to relay information. I want to, as an operations person, understand how well my team is doing. If I can't record the data with the, I can't record that kind of data with a walkie talkie. I can only record that kind of data with some kind of smart device that also satisfies all of my, all of my previously developed security standards. I do not use Android in my business. That's because Android is a fractured operating system. It's different between vendors, between uh, Samsung versus Google. I want to be able to, from a support standpoint, also being the tier one person, to be able to say, okay, this is the same devices I use and that everyone else in my industry, everyone else in my business uses. I can support that much more easily and the cost comparison is really not any different. Now, it becomes difficult when I wanna put 25 of those devices in the hands of my line leaders and leaders on the, uh, on the production floor. So I'm trying to figure out a way to come up with a low cost budget friendly item that I can put in more hands than just say having to pick 10 of the senior most or most important people and say here, but if you, it just makes it a lot easier. I'm a big believer in, there's no such thing as too much communication. Over communication is not a thing. We all have filters. We can all filter things out. It's better to have to filter things out than have things missed. Yeah, sure. That makes a lot of sense, actually. I, I see how you could use a less expensive tool like the iPod Touch to accomplish that. Now, I know you said you've just started implementing, but I'm curious, you know, what sorts of things you're planning to use them for aside from taking photos or using them as walkie talkies? Like, would they be used for safety inspections or QC inspections, that sort of thing? So these devices are being used for a wide array of things. We first started implementing a system similar to this and seeing a need for a system similar to this in our forklifts. We have a computer that records safety checks on our forklifts. Our production employees and forklift drivers use their time card, which is an RFID time card. So they have a time card that they use to clock in and out. They have a time card that is tied to the safety system for our forklifts. And all of our forklifts have it. We get safety inspections on a daily basis per user of that lift. So if you clock into that lift for your shift, you only have to do the safety check once. If you get off the lift and someone else gets onto the lift, they have to do the safety check. So there are times where we'll get actual multiple safety checks per piece of equipment, which again, to me, you're recording data. That data is communication. Those are statistics that you're able to make better business decisions with. So it started off as a safety system. And I was like, kind of turned this light bulb on, like, we should be doing this kind of stuff with all of our equipment, not just our forklifts and our, our aerial lifts. We should be doing this on our saws. We should be doing this on our presses. We should be doing this on at every setup, every day. Anybody who's working at it should be able to record some kind of safety check. And if there is a problem, take a picture of it, which then reports to our maintenance department and our operations team to be able to fix it, which then generates a trouble ticket, which then generates a response time, which then gives us more data to make better business decisions with 
and be able to say, hey guys, we're doing a great job at operations or say, hey guys, we are having a systemic problem with this piece of equipment. Every three months, we seem to be blowing a cylinder. How can we try to fix that? Paper records just don't do it anymore. And a lot of times those things either get lost, not done, or just, it just doesn't happen. Making it easy, being just able to ask a few simple questions from a smart device, be able to take a picture of a problem and it generates the whole paper trail of what that problem is and how it was solved is an invaluable tool for any manufacturer. So there's companies out there that give you the tools to do that. It's a simple website. You can actually create your own forms. You can populate it with data that you get from your own systems. Uh, they have an API that, they're, that they can integrate into all kinds of different technologies. So you're not hand entering your entire employee roster into this piece of software. It's just talking to your other software and data transfer, SQL Server, and then it's done. There are a couple of companies out there that allow you to do this. Canvas, it's an online website that has an app for smart devices that allows you to develop forms, talk to your data systems that you already have, and create your own safety checklists. Uh, you know, we all have different equipment. We all have different processes. We all can very easily tailor these things to ourselves without, without rewriting the book or having to develop it from scratch. Another company out there is called Safety Culture, whom I use personally in our business. They have two applications, one of which is kind of a trouble ticket maintenance tool, which is great, or you can develop your own in their auditing software. Um, it's basic form building. If you can create a piece of paper that has the fields that you want, the information that you want on it, you can probably develop an app on a website like Canvas or iAuditor very simply. And if you can't, you actually can send that piece of paper that you've hand drawn to uh, your account manager and they'll develop the application for you. And it's very cost effective. I was going to ask if that's expensive technology to use. It's not. Now, you know, it's, it's not tied into some product that I buy. It's a per seat, small fee, five to $10 per person per month. And in my opinion, as I've said before, there's no such thing as too much communication. So the more communication endpoints that you have in your business to be collecting data on all fronts, not just business data, but safety data and maintenance data, the better decisions you're going to be able to make. Sure. I think it drops back to that old adage, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And you're finding ways to fairly inexpensively take maybe non-traditional component manufacturing technology, spend a few dollars a month on it, and then use it to gather a whole bunch of data that's going to help you just manage literally, it sounds like, every aspect of the business. That's correct. I mean, I take a $200 iPod, put a $5 a month application on it, and compare that to a $35 a month iPhone with a, another $25 to $30 on top of that, depending on the, you know, the kind of cell phone plan that you have. Uh, you know, you're talking about a $60 a month monthly reoccurring cost versus a five with a $200 one-time buy. It's kind of hard to beat. Yeah, it is. And you, uh, well, I'm sorry, I, I forgot about the protective case that you should put around it to make sure that it gets dropped three or four times. <laughs> it's going to survive. 
<laughs> yeah, I think we can all benefit from one of those. I, I think so, too. You know, it's a small way of protecting a small investment, but right. still, it's kind of part of what I think about daily is how do I protect the investments that I have, be it from a disaster recovery backup standpoint or the mobile endpoints that I'm putting in the hands of users who beat up walkie-talkies pretty much every few months. When I found the iPod Touch and realized that it was a fully functioning iOS device and compared it to how much I'm paying per walkie-talkie, it's, you know, it's a no-brainer. I can buy the I can buy the iPod Touch and a year's worth of uh, safety culture for the cost of one of my walkie-talkies. Well, I'll have to keep track of you on that and see where you go with those iPods because I feel like that has the potential to have some pretty interesting impacts on the business. The only issue is is that it's very small. <laughs> That's the <laughs> the biggest problem is is the size of the device. It's very it's a very it's it's like the original iPhone. I mean, it, it's it's very small. It's kind of it's kind of toy-like, and I'm a little concerned that my guys will uh, be hesitant to use it because of that. Uh, there's, there's plenty of guys in our business that already have these communication endpoints. I just think it's important to get hands-on further down the line. You know, not to mention it also provides job opportunities, growth. It keeps people involved in technology. You've got probably got lots of guys on the production floor that actually already use this kind of stuff. And we'll be happy to provide you more data streams and data data points. You know, that's a that's a great way to get more guys involved in your process. It, it can really provide a lot of value. The more you know, um, the better off you are. Well, and it sounds like even though you have a few concerns about the fact that they are small and, you know, maybe a little toy-like, the other side of that is that the size of them is probably actually providing some functionality for the positive, you know, now they're um, not going to be complaining about something being too bulky, it doesn't fit in their pocket, et cetera, et cetera. That's correct. I mean, that's the other side of things. It could be a tablet. You know, you could, uh, there's, on the other side of things, I have in my possession at work, several Microsoft Surface Goes. Those are great devices. It's a fully functioning Windows 10 computer. It's lightweight. It's great for running uh, remote desktop type things. But it's also great for these kinds of applications as well. It's higher cost. It's about $500 versus the $200 for the iPod. But I'm weighing my options. I have them in the hands of my production employees and I'm having them give me the feedback rather than trying to force my ideas on them. In order to get the kind of information that I want, I need to have the buy-in of the guys that are actually going to be doing the hands-on work. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. And I really love the idea of, I mean, you're, you're sort of papering your plant with technology, but in the ways that are going to make the most difference, which I think is really, you know, I guess it's sort of making the component manufacturing industry sexy again. If yeah, we should, we should say that, right. It's a, it's just a pretty cool thing to try something like this. Uh, I, I think it's important too. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in innovator die and that is, I've taken that on as my charge uh, within our within our business, and you know I'm trying to lend a voice, lend that kind of voice to the industry as well. Well, and you know there's some reality in you know the things that we keep hearing as trends or lack thereof in the industry. You know, workforce development and the struggle to bring new people in. And if you've got young people coming in with their iPhones and you know all of their gadgets and all of that, 
when they walk in and see on your production floor people using the same technology, then they can relate to it. And I mean, it, it also is more appealing, I would imagine, for younger people to see that kind of modern, current-ish. I mean, I guess, I guess iPods are maybe a few years older, but just, you know, to see current technology being used in this manufacturing realm. Sure. And I mean, they're not that old. I think they're, they are, they're still produced. Sure. Um, and it's got, it has the same processor uh, and the same, it's a fully functioning iPhone without cellular. It just has a small, it has a small screen in order to keep it low cost. I'm really looking forward to, to testing it. One of the big things is, is there's a lot, when it comes to the surface, there's a, there are some limitations from a recharging standpoint or some of those kind of functionalities you have to think about. Those very simple charging stations for not very much cost. So, you know, the iPods are just, they, they feel like one example of sort of, in at least in the grand scheme of things, an inexpensive technology that you're using to elevate the overall functionality in the plant. And I just, I again, I think it's really cool to hear that you can make a big impact with something small. I mean, not, I don't necessarily mean small, the iPods are small, but I just mean affordable. Um, is that sort of generally one of the main factors for you when you're implementing new ideas? I've made most of my investments from a technological standpoint at the core. And while that was an expensive upfront cost, a lot of my manufacturing floor, anything that doesn't actually really connect to a piece of equipment, and even some of the pieces of even some of the computers that connect to pieces of equipment, they're all running in a virtual environment. So the endpoints can be very inexpensive. A few hundred dollars for an endpoint in the manufacturing realm is, you know, not very expensive, and it's. They have a t things have a tendency to get broken in manufacturing, um, or at least in my experience and in my plant. But I'm able to leverage the investment in the infrastructure to keep the endpoint cost and the, the cost of the items that could get broken the most down. You know, could I buy a $3,000 fanless, solid state, NEMA rated piece of equipment, which a lot of the larger manufacturers and not necessarily larger component manufacturers per se, but bigger industries have the budgets for, they'll put them all over the place. My forklift guy will probably run one of those things over if I'm not careful. So, uh, you know, I'm trying to keep that kind of item out of the hands of someone who might be a little bit more careless, who swings a two by four for all intents and purposes uh, for a living. You know, those things have a tendency to get broken. So, Let's make the let's make the make the investment at the infrastructure level and at the core and make sure the endpoints are easily replaceable and not at a cost that is is prohibitive. So I I'm remembering a comment you made when the equipment council group was in Dallas. And one of the things that you or I mean, I think it was you <laughs> mentioned is that you've in a couple of cases gone online and bought two or three $15 sensors that you've implemented in various ways that have really helped, um, you know, like the manufacturing process or, you know, made uh, made the equipment safer. And that's you know, that's a really, really tiny, tiny investment in something to make an improvement. Part of the suite of products that Safety Culture provides are a whole catalog of easily added sensors to, in our case, hydraulic equipment 
or pneumatic equipment. Um, there's, they have a, a whole uh, temperature sensors, pressure sensors, and readers for those sensors because you know a lot of this equipment has to rely on uh, a wireless connection. So you have to have a reader and a sensor. Um, the reader can be hard mounted. The sensor can be can can be movable, and then it records data, which as kind of the common theme of this conversation, it seems to be is, you know, the more data you have, the more information you have, the better decisions you're able to make. So for a relatively small investment, I can plug into an existing product that I'm already using and be able to get more information from, a ma from my maintenance department. Okay, after 25,000 cycles of this piece of equipment, the temperature has gone up 15 degrees. Maybe it's time to change the oil. Or if there's no change, the equipment's life is longer than anticipated. So preventative maintenance periods can be elongated. I mean, you have to admit that seems like really awesome information to have. Especially for a lot of, a lot of the guys out there have older equipment. So what better way to be able to at least start measuring the data that you can get off of the pieces of equipment that you, are, that you already have invested in rather than going out and buying something brand new while that's great not everybody has the budget to do that so for a minimal investment you can start getting more specific information off of your equipment sure i i mean i love the idea and i think this is something anyone could take away which is that you know these small improvements are not cost prohibitive they're not based on you know based on what you're saying knowledge prohibitive even necessarily they're pretty straightforward things that you can be doing to make big changes a small sensor helping determine when the oil in a machine should get changed seems potentially insignificant but could end up saving a lot of money over the lifetime of that machine which was a big investment comparatively to the sensor and it really will add to your bottom line at the end of the day. And, you know, so this is one of the, this is one of the big things I was after in talking with you, the idea that, that IT encompasses so many things from the big stuff to the little stuff and that, you know, your work as the IT director is really an integral part of daily making and keeping production running smoothly. Sure. Well, I, I think that everybody is now seeing that, collecting information about your production processes and your business processes is a good thing, but how can we, and a lot of people have been doing it for a long time now. And, you know, most of our software vendors have a solution for us to be able to, to measure that, but how can we take it a step further? How can we maximize the investments on the equipment that we have? How can we take old equipment that, you know, is out there in the marketplace, and have some additional functionality that increases its resale value. There is, a, there is a used equipment market out there and there are ways to be able to at least measure the data out of an older piece of equipment that's not even necessarily automated. There's ways that we could figure out to count the pieces of, you know, pieces of lumber that come off of a saw, pretty simply, even if the saw wasn't equipped with a counter to begin with. And you could do it electronically even. There's all kinds of interesting little things that I'm trying to highlight here. You know, they're little nuggets. Everybody can be doing it. And it's not really that um, it's not as big as uh, it's not as big of an investment as everybody thinks it may be. I mean, I totally agree. OK, so 
So in preparing for this, I had kind of a list of things I was hoping that you would cover, many of which we have, including maintenance programs and security, whether physical or cybersecurity, which is coming up more and more. And you've talked a little bit about some of the ways that you're using technology with your interconnected systems. But one of the things which you've just sort of started to touch on is sort of that idea that you can optimize equipment, not just for measuring data from a maintenance perspective, but optimizing it from a functionality standpoint, the way it's working and the way that it's tapping into the flow in your entire facility. So, you know, the optimization of not only the equipment, but the process to make things a little more lean or, you know, a little more efficient or however you want to state that. So I, th I think a lot of people know that we build a lot of floor trusses. About 60% of our business is uh, the multifamily realm and we build floor trusses nonstop. So my Part of what I've been doing this summer has been really focusing on optimizing how we, how we build floor trusses. How do we build floor trusses and cut floor trusses and provide the saws what they need as quickly as we need to build the product more efficiently? You know, that, that growth was kind of astronomical and quickly. And if we could find efficiency in those processes, we could get more product out the door. So our business model when we built our new facility was to ensure that the bottleneck was never at the builders, was never at the table or at the, the setup. It was always at the saw and that we had excess cutting capacity would ensure that we'd be able to, uh, we'd be able to supply all of our lines, all of the things that they needed at any given time. Well, when we opened up our new plant, we had four floor truss machines six mono truss setups, which are old Mark 10 C clamps, which I know everybody thinks that we're crazy for using them, but they work for us. So we're going to continue using them until we can't find any more or someone builds something better. And a, uh, a large table line and two smaller uh, jack tables, jack type tables. So now we have eight floor truss machines and still the same number of saws. So our, our mix has drastically changed and our processes not, haven't necessarily kept up to speed. So how can we find more efficiency? How can we make sure that the order in which the parts are coming off of the saw is optimal for the guy who actually has to build the truss? That's been a big challenge for us this summer. How do we make that more efficient? How do we get the, and it's not really a equipment or a, technology problem it's a process problem but you can use the data that you've collected in order to be in order to make better decisions about how to make this how to improve this process so part of it was training we needed to get our guys to actually cut in the order in which the computer is telling them as opposed to cutting in the order in which might be more convenient to them um, because it's important that the Sawyer know that their job is to ensure that the builder gets their product in the most optimal way, not necessarily cut it the fastest. Because in our business, we have enough cutting capacity to be able to keep up with the builders. That was the training part. We also have a new saw on order um, that we're hoping is going to help us with this process. So we are making an equipment investment because we saw a need to increase efficiency in that specific part of our business because our processes needed to change because our business model changed somewhat. 
Um, we've always been in commercial, we've always done a lot of commercial work, but that's our marketplace and that's where we excel. And that's become our, not our niche, but that has certainly become the majority of the focus of our business. And while it's still only 60% of our business, we're not getting so exclusive that we can't do other things or we're tied to this type of building in case there is some kind of shift in consumer desire for single family homes in our market versus multifamily living. You know, we are positioned well to serve many metro, many major metropolitan areas, and that's where we found success. So we found the success. We made the investments in the equipment. How can we tweak little things to get go from 90% efficient to 99% efficient? We'll see what this new saw brings, and uh, we'll see if our, our guys continue to follow their process improvement plan. You know, again, just like with security, your best asset is your users, or in our case, our manufacturing employees. Uh, sometimes they need to understand that they're a part of a bigger process and that, yeah, it might be easier for you to cut that that way, but it's easier for them to build it that way. And that's the reason why it's being cut in this order. Sure. That, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I sort of love the idea that the reason you got from point A to point B is because you were using technology to gather data to understand where the problems were and where you should be expanding. You know, you're not just buying a new piece of equipment because it sounds good or it's fancy or it's new. It's because you know that's the place where your operations will benefit most from an investment in that. So it's, it's a really cool way to see the IT part of this come back to more board feet out the door. That's the goal. <laughs> Always, right? <laughs> All right. So we've been doing this for a little while, and I want to switch gears just a little bit, um, maybe even wrap up with this. So you've talked about the idea that, you know, in some places you have a bigger budget, in some places a smaller budget, and you've sort of alluded to a single manufacturing location like Shelter versus maybe a company with multiple locations. But Regardless of how big or small a company is, there's a point where any IT person like yourself needs to go to the, you know, sort of finger quotes boss for the money or permission to carry out the plan. And I realize that communicating with your boss specifically might be a little different given family dynamics, etc. But what I really want to focus on in asking this question is how a technical person like you that knows all the lingo and the jargon can effectively communicate what you need in a way that can be properly understood as a benefit to the business. Um, I know based on a previous conversation um, that I've had with you, you referred to it sort of as being an interpreter of sorts. And I wanted to spend just a little time talking about what you enjoy about that process, what's made it easier for you, et cetera, so that you can convey to the people that need to approve of your plan that, that they should. Well, it's, that's a, that's a great question. My first response is uh, don't let anyone in IT who does this kind of thing don't tell you that they don't do sales because they do. I, I have to constantly sell uh, my bosses who, yes, that happens to be mostly my family. But still, I have to justify the things that I do. I'm not just uh, out there making it rain, so to speak, um, <laughs> if we're going to make the, if we're going to, if we're making things sexy again, um, I'm, I'm not, the, I'm not out there just making it rain. I have a plan and my plan has been long-term, you know, I think in things, you know, I'm thinking of my 2021 budget right now, rather than my 2020. I have a long-term plan and I've been implementing that long-term plan for a while now and it's been paying off. So it makes the sales pitch a lot easier than in when I 
first stepped into the office and said, hey guys, we need to sit down and spend $100,000 to eliminate our antiquated server farm and go to the newest, latest, greatest thing with all the licensing. But we're making this investment one time and now we're able to make incremental investments that keep everything up to date and you know running at optimal uh, at optimal speeds and when you start talking about a couple hundred thousand dollars or a few hundred thousand dollars for a piece of manufacturing equipment in this industry it's easy to come up with the ROI it's a little bit more intangible like well that's great but why are why are we going to spend a hundred thousand dollars to do this oh well the sales pitch was it's going to be easy to recover if there's a disaster if you have seven servers of unlike hardware and we have a disaster and they're all destroyed while i have all of the data our downtime is going to be significant until i figure out a way to take that data and transform it into a more modern infrastructure you have to take the time to plan for that infrastructure upgrade. And I've done this for a while now. So I guess it's just become something that's second nature to me to be able to discuss more technical things. Uh, kind of goes back to a, being a general technologist rather than being a network engineer or a software developer. I am able to take the technical terms and be able to speak intelligently enough about the technical part of it, but be able to sell to people who don't understand or even really care about the technical aspect, but want to understand what the business case is. And uh, it's just something that experience has, has brought me. And uh, I've been able to establish, you know, I, I've been able to go beyond the innate familial trust that might be there to actually like, I do know what I'm doing at this point. I've been able to prove that the the major investments that I've recommended and implemented have paid dividends. So, you know, establishing that trusted relationship with someone who has experience in technology is invaluable for any business, no matter what the size. Obviously, the bigger the size, you'll probably have more resources for professionals. But even the smaller, the smaller businesses really should have someone trusted. Even if it's just a friend telling you, hey, have you heard about this? Hey, do you know what ransomware is? Hey, you know, maybe you maybe you should think about taking your email to the cloud rather than having it on site. Just something like that. It pays dividends. Or having someone who knows about technology in general come to your manufacturing plant and, and ask you the hard questions so you can plan for investment for the future to eliminate some of the some of the problems that having older computer controlled equipment brings, you know, some people still have Windows 98 and Windows XP in their environments and it's really dangerous. And if you don't know what you're doing from a from a computer standpoint, you're really exposing yourself. So having a trusted advisor to be able to objectively tell you in layman's terms, you know, what's going on is a, is a really really valuable resource. And, you know, us technology people, we like to speak in, in acronyms and at Shelter Systems, we have a strict rule when I'm talking about budgets and spending money, I'm not allowed to use any tech acronyms. So uh, that has that has uh, that has also helped significantly. <laughs> I think that's an excellent rule, and it may be something we need to implement at SBCA because, as you well know, there are a lot of those in our industry, and for anyone new, they have no idea what we're talking about most of the time. But you know, this does make me want to ask one question, which is: 
are you for hire? Because I think after this, we're going to have several people saying, hey, do you think Jason would come and tell me what I'm not doing right? I mean, it, it is really good advice. You'd have to ask Joe Heichel that one question. Um, my <laughs> guess is he's probably going to say no. But get on Slack. I'm always available on Slack. I'll ask any questions anybody has. I love that you're bringing that up, Jason, because I feel like that is the one thing just to sort of bring it back to an SBCA focus. And you guys are really all in it to help each other out. You know, as an example, the IT committee is a great group of folks that you and I have been working with for a long time. And I've never seen any of you hesitate to give your best advice. So, so joining Slack is great advice. If you have questions and you don't have the budget right now for a full-time IT person, absolutely join us on Slack. Join the IT committee channel and ask away. There are a lot of good opinions that will probably be different, but give you uh, a lot of different ways to um, skin the cat, so to speak. Uh, that's probably not appropriate, but I guess you know what I mean. I, I do. I do. <laughs> and, the, you know, it kind of all comes back down to communication, right? We're right. in my business. I'm trying to improve communication. Well, you know, we... We all get together for meetings. We all get on calls, but there's so many other avenues of almost more instant gratification and a one-to-many conversation rather than a one-to-one -one conversation that can be had on Slack. Everybody's like, what's Slack? Isn't it just email? It's like, well, no, actually it's, it's, it's way more than that. Yes, it, can, it, it functions in a similar way, but anybody who's ever used a forum type a website or anything like that is kind of familiar with the one-to-many posting. So I highly recommend getting out there and getting more traction on it. And I'm sure that Molly can post a link somewhere associated with this podcast. Yes, absolutely. I will make sure that happens. The more the merrier in Slack. So I think that wraps up the questions I have for you today, Jason. And I don't know if there are any other nuggets of wisdom that you'd like to share, but I'm guessing Slack is a great place for people to find you and hear them. I really appreciate you being with me here today, like not with, with, but virtually with. And I just want to say thanks. I feel like anyone listening, whether they're in the same profession as you or in another capacity in component manufacturing, they really walked away with something that they can take back and implement themselves or talk with their technology team about. And I think more importantly, what I heard you say through all of your answers is that while IT can be scary for people, especially those that aren't as technologically immersed as you are, what IT really boils down to is good communication and lots of communication. And honestly, we sort of honed in on data collection as well, um, just as far as using technology to better your business. So once again, I appreciate you joining me for this podcast, and I look forward to talking with you in the future about IT and many other things. Thanks for having me. It was a great conversation. Thank you for listening to SBCA's podcast, Component Connection. We are committed to bringing you a variety of information via this podcast. Please email your feedback or suggestions for future topics to podcast at sbcindustry.com. 